Ooh, with Jay Woman. We really got to open this thing up at 7.30 already. We do. Who's bringing it in? I want to go to bed. Just shut up and record. You'll You'll podcast and you'll like it. Back to the bin. Hello and welcome to Back to the Bins. This is part 73 of our top 10 comic, no, top 100, I don't know what the hell it is. It's our top comic movies countdown thing, and uh, this may be the last one. We'll just have to wait and see. We are down to the last six of the top 100 comic movies of all time, as voted by you, the listener. I don't know what you've been smoking, but these were voted on by you, the listeners. But uh, hey, we're down to the last six, and uh, we got some real good ones on this list here. So I think we're going to have some good talk. I, by the way, am Scott Gardner, and I am joined, as always, by my very, very, very good buddies. I like them so much. Mr. Paul Spataro. Hey, how you doing? How you doing? I'm I pulled Mr. Paul Spataro and his dog. And his dog. And Dr. Bill Robinson, if he's still awake. Are you still awake, Doctor? You are snoring? (laughs) Poor Bill has just, he's just, you know, too many surgeries. And uh, he's just, he's just exhausted. He's just a worn out doctor. It's tough playing a doctor on a podcast. Exactly. (laughs) How you doing? Mountain Dew. I am drinking. I have a can of Code Do, Code Do, Code Red. Code Red. No, I haven't quit yet. It wasn't. Wasn't the this year yeah, yeah, your yeah. New Year's resolution? Yeah, but I got sick. I got sick. I'm feeling better now, but now I'm working ten hour days, mandatory, and I got to work Saturday. And it actually, when you when you add up driving, it's almost like twelve, thirteen hours a day. So if you add sleeping, I, and it's like twenty four. I hours swear. A day. I swear. <laughs> as soon as I get through this project. I'll think about quit. Get this man some it's diet tough, man. It's tough. <laughs> I was supposed hey, to know, quit on my vacation so I could recover through the withdrawal. Speaking of Mountain Dew, you know that I am I am very, very critical of fake Mountain Dews because there's just way too many of them out there. It seems like every grocery chain that exists has their Hunter? own. Yeah, yeah, they have like Diet Horse Whiz and all these other ones, you know, for Mountain for poop. fake. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the fake Mountain Dews. But I discovered that Dollar Store, at least the one down the street from us, the Dollar Store, I don't know what they call theirs, but it's actually not bad. I've been getting I I haven't tried the regular, you know, the green Mountain Dew one. But they have the uh, the blue one, whatever the hell the blue one is. What what is the blue one in the regular Mountain Dew? What is that called? Do you guys know? I don't know. If it's not diet, I can't drink it. Is, is you it like yeah. it tastes pretty good? Voltage or something? Yeah, vol- I think it is voltage. Because I think if it and... tastes pretty good, it's nothing like real Mountain Dew. <laughs> you don't? Oh, that's right. You don't like Mountain Dew, do you? I like Mountain Dew, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not particularly a fan personally. 
I, I like the blue one because the, the blue one, you know, commercially, the blue one is as close as you can get to that exclusive flavor that they have at Taco Bell, the um, Baja Blast. Baja Blast, yeah. It's it's close. It's not it, but it's close to it. It's pretty bad. Uh, I can name all the variants. Yeah, yeah, me too. Well, now they have an orange one too. That's like well, they got like a dark grape one or something too. I think. Yeah, I, I didn't like that one as much. That was like the sang sangrita or something like that is the name of it. Santeria. The, oh wait, sorry, the blue. Never mind. There's a there's an orange one now that's I can't remember. Kickstart I think might be the name of it. Nova. Oh, sorry. <laughs> but uh, but the blue the blue one anyway the the fake Mountain Dew that you can get at the dollar store the blue one actually not bad. Flo so. Dew. Yeah, exactly. We should have a faux do taste off. Faux do. We, we we should have a blind taste test. The next blind taste. Maybe the next the next freak uh, get together. We should. Uh, there you go. We should blindfold Bill and give him the various types and see if he can. We blindfolded Doctor Bill. Little, we we have in front of him a glass of antifreeze, Diet Mountain Dew, <laughs> and Drano. Can he pick out the correct drink? And we can were... he get to the other ones before the trainer well, kills him? You remember the old, like, what was it, like Sanka or something? The old commercials oh, where yeah. you had the guy with the creepy voice. You go, we've replaced Dr. Bill's normal Mountain Dew with a bucket of piss. Let's see if he can tell the difference. You know? <laughs> oh, my God. Where's is this shit? <laughs> that would be awesome. Like I'm not used to it tasting this good. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. <laughs> we have a winner. <laughs> or, or. Or I drink it. <laughs> this is cold. What the hell's wrong with you? You trying to kill me? <laughs> well, that's all I got. All right, so what's our game show for this week, Bill? Oh, God. Oh, I don't have one. Oh, thank God. It was a... the blind taste test. That was the game show. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. Am I supposed <laughs> to come up with a game show now? Every I week? thought it was every episode. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I'm feeling a little tired tonight, so we're going to skip the game show. I'll come up with something next time. <laughs> I did have an idea for game shows. I was going to maybe... There's a game... There's a thing like on my local radio station they play called Sporkle. You ever heard of that? Sporkle? The name is familiar. Yeah, to where like, you got to guess... Um, you got to guess, guess the word and you give clues. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Sorry, what's that do? <laughs> Guess the uh, I, guess who belched. I'd still like to figure out some way to do a, a, a podcast version of Match Game. I don't know how the hell you would do it, but I would like to do that. I remember way back when there was a podcast. Shit, what was it? Was it was it Panelologists at Work? Did you guys ever listen to that show, Panelologists yeah, at Work? You got me to listen to that for a while, and that was that was entertaining. That was but, a great show, and I don't know whatever happened to it. I I, I don't know either. Faded. They pod pasted pod yeah pod. They either pod faded or I stopped. I, I faded out on them. I can't remember. Maybe it was a combination of both. I'll but at you, one I'll time that sorry, was a damn ahead, funny show. But I, I I'm trying to think. Are they the ones that used to? Because somebody I used to listen to, and it was a British podcast, used to do something called the um, blankety blank. And it was it was basically it was the British version of Match Game, and um, I think it was those guys, but I, I could be wrong. So I, w I wouldn't want to just rip them off, but I essentially it, like to off. just rip them off, yeah, it, because it was fun, and it, I mean it was, it, it really was just Match Game. I'll tell game. you how we do it. 
whoever the host of the show is, whoever the uh, the podcast Gene Rayburn is, right? He, he could be getting IMs on Facebook from everybody as to their answers. So this way, no one else sees what they've answered, and then you, when you go over it, you you know they're locked in on what they say. You know, nobody could change their answer when they, you know, uh, oh, I feel stupid that I said that. Let me change it. Right. You know, none of that. Right. Right. I, th- oh. I think that could be fun if you could just work out the details Look, of it. I, I think the key to it is we would need n- we would need nine nine people. You need a host, six celebrities, and I put celebrities in quotes, and uh, two contestants. Right. And then it's a matter of putting together the uh, the clues, but we could actually steal that from the real match game. I bet you there's a website where they have them. Right. I'd like to at least give it a whirl once. I think that could be a hell of a lot of fun. Or it could be a complete friggin' train wreck, one of the two. And no, either I think, way. I think it'd be a hell of a lot of fun. Whether or not it makes for a good show, I don't know. <laughs> but I think it'd be fun to do. As long as it entertains me, that's the important thing. Well, before we get into the episode proper, I wanted to ask, um, I know we've already we've already done our Iron Fist score episode, peeking mm-hmm. behind the curtain wibbly wobbly timey wimey did you guys see the trailer for iron fist that just yeah. came out looks good yeah it yeah does. Mm. yeah it does it's it's weird too because that guy is not like what i would have pictured danny Rand to be he 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 reminds me of that that oh god what the hell is the name of that guy that guy was it was in like Poland? Knocked up, I think, was the name of the movie where where he like was on like a one night fling with the girl and got Seth her pregnant. Rogen? Yeah, that's no. he kind of reminds me of that Skinny dude. Seth bit. Rogen? I don't yeah. see it. I, I, I'm well, not he, seeing that. Well, he played a character on um, Game of Thrones that was uh, boffing uh, a king, and he was also had a little with his sister too. Who this so guy this is, that's playing Iron had, Fist? He, yeah, he, yeah. He had something with his sister. I don't remember that. Jesus, I has they anybody ha- been on Game I, of Thrones or something? I thought there was like a veiled... Um, no, I thought it was pretty blatant that he was like, you know, he had a thing with his sister too. That they were uh, close. I do not remember. I, that, yes, they are close, but I do not think no, they like, had a really close. relationship. I, don't I thought they, it was kind of like hinted at that. Pietro. Mm. <laughs> well, I, I didn't mean that. Oh, that's in, right. like, Maybe I'm getting confused I just thought it was that he other, was just a veiled sister. gay man. You know, <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Well, he was the Knight of Flowers. Not that anything's wrong with that. No, Send all hate mail, too. I, I, Dr. Bill. In that Game of Thrones culture, being homosexual was not accepted. And he kept it hidden. I mean, that's you know, that's just a storyline. Oh, I remember what it was. It's, uh, he knew of his sister's improprieties, too. That was the whole thing. They were trying to make him confess and all that. That's right. Did they use that's... the... The, the, the cushions with all the stuffing shoved the up one chair. end. <laughs> the comfy chair. Ooh, this comfy is nice. Chair. Oh, I like this. No one expects the Game of Thrones Inquisition. Well, no. What I meant by that, what would you say his name was Seth Rogen? What I meant by that was just that that kind of like everyman quality that, that he kind of has. And almost like a kind of like dorky everyman. Because that's not, I mean, I'm not horribly familiar with the character of Iron Fist anyway. I mean, I, I read it, you know, the John Byrne series and, and a few appearances here and there. But my impression of Iron Fist, what I expected from this was something that was very zenny, very kung fu, you know, very steeped in 
martial arts and you know some sort of philosophy and all that shit and i really liked what the trailer looked like like it wasn't going to be any of that shit it was just like an everyman kind of dude that just happened to be able to just kick the shit out of you with kung fu and that's kind of that's more what i want because well, the, the, those ones that get all philosophical about kung fu and shit they just they completely well, bore sure the shit gonna out have, of me it's going to have some of that but it was nice the way the trailer has him. He just comes back to Ran in, in, in Industries, or whatever. And he's like, "Yeah, I'm Danny Rand." And they're like, "Okay, yeah, sure you are." And then he proceeds to just kick the guards' ass that are trying right, to take yeah. him down. Yeah, but I, I, like I think that. the in the comics in the original incarnation, it had a little bit more of that Zen, uh, you know, Eastern or well, Western uh, philosophy type thing. No, I guess it would be Eastern. Uh, Waffles. Oh, sorry. Yes, that's philosophy. It. And. Uh, I think it was when they got to the Immortal Iron Fist, which I guess was, uh, I, can't, I can't even think. But I, I, when they when they got to that, I think that's when it gave they gave him a little bit more of the personality. Right. Yeah, I think it looks interesting. I, I'm I'm gonna enjoy. I'm I'm definitely gonna watch it. I mean, I'm up to speed on uh, on all the rest of the the MCU stuff that you know they've been doing on Netflix. So. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm really looking forward to the, when they finally get to the Defenders proper, you know, all together as a team. I think that's... Uh, yeah, this is the last piece of the Defenders. Yep. I just I last really wish that, 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 that they were doing the traditional Defenders team, though. With, with yeah. Hulk, Submariner, and Doctor Strange. I, well, I mean, well, we have half maybe of they'll that. Have, maybe they'll have... Maybe they'll surprise us and do an Easter egg and have Doctor Strange make an appearance and Mark Ruffalo will come in and you know, maybe we'll get part two, two out of four. I mean, we have we have you know half of the equation. You know, we have Hulk and and Doctor Strange, and I sure have been seeing a lot of stuff on Facebook recently, talking about Namor in a in a theatrical. You know, as, in, as far as joining the MCU, so who knows? You know, if they if they can straighten that whole rights thing out and everything, and actually bring him in. You know, at, at this point. Despite my feelings of comic book Namor, I'm, I'm kind of ready for him to join the MCU because I'm very curious how they could do Namor and make him more palatable like they've done with other characters that I don't particularly care for. And then they turn around and put him in the MCU and I end up loving them. So, you when know, I Fox mean, they, lo- 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 lose the rights to the FF. Um, when, 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 when can we see an, a new FF movie and they'll be back in the comics again? I, I think of the off fact wherever. that they just had that last movie, I think kind of kind of reset the clock as far as them having the rights yeah. right they, they yeah, have to probably do a for a new couple movie like every, yeah every so often but the fact that that movie just tanked hard i'm hoping uh, what i'm Paul hoping saw that is, but i i haven't seen it i think it's on netflix have, now and i, I still have haven't no seen it just to see that but what i'm hoping happens because I, I don't think it's I don't think it's happening yet unless it's happening so quietly behind the scenes that nobody knows. But what I'm hoping happens is that um, Homecoming, you know, Spider-Man Homecoming comes out and just does gangbusters. And when that comes out and does that, then I'm hoping that will spur Fox to go. All right, let's do the right thing. Let's let's partner with Marvel and give them the FF to use and, you know, basically try to cut the same type of deal that Sony's cut with Spider-Man because Sony didn't give up Spider-Man. They didn't just give it back and go, here you go. You can have it back. They partnered with Marvel and said, you can use the character in the MCU 
and we'll do this together to be collaborative. And there, there's some sort of profit sharing thing there that, you know, that's their business. I don't care what it is. I just want Marvel to have the toys back. And I'm hoping that Fox will eventually get smart and realize they've got a gold mine with X-Men. So long as they, you know, they, they keep doing good movies. I know there was a lot of debate about the last one, but Fox, when it comes to FF, unfortunately, they just keep dropping the ball. And I think this last time they did it, it wasn't just dropping the ball. I mean, that was just a complete, you know, what a mess. So I'm hoping they realize at this point they just can't do it and and partner with Marvel about the whole thing. So I don't know. But I wonder about about Namor anyway, because, I mean, there we've already seen the MCU using characters that i would argue are fantastic four characters like who so um ronan comes to mind and i'm i was i was listening today um to the uh score episode that we did way back when for guardians and i'm really surprised it never came up in the conversation but i i could be wrong correct me if i'm wrong but didn't ronan debut in fantastic four yep so doesn't that by yeah, default make him fantastic or four? so yeah, so by default, doesn't that make him a Fantastic Four character? Well, I, I would imagine whatever, whenever they sell the rights to, you know, a character or a group or whatever, that the contract that they enter into specifies exactly who they have the rights to and who they don't. Hmm. But I'm you would think they would. I mean, you would just think, you know, in, in this day and age, they'd have to be really careful about that kind of stuff. Now, I don't know. Back at that time, you know, when the, the rights to Fantastic Four must have been sold, you know, easily 15 years ago. Right. Maybe longer. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, maybe they didn't sell all the, you know, they like parsed it out. They must have, because come to think of it, I mean, clearly Marvel can, uh, you know, Marvel Studios can play with the Inhumans and Ronan. So and clearly it's they, not. On, uh, in Fantastic and they, Four. Yeah, exactly. And, and they're Fantastic mm-hmm. Four characters. So. You know how did how did Fox wind up well, with yeah, the Fantastic because... Four having Silver Surfer and Galactus, but then they don't have the Inhumans and Ronin? So because weren't yeah. the Kree mentioned first in uh, Agents of Shield before they were mentioned in the, in the uh, in the movies? Mm, I don't think so. I mean, I think maybe, so. maybe but, I, I, but, I've, I've lost yeah, but track. Yeah, the Kree were also point. a. I think they were in the Fantastic Four first as well. Yeah, well, that's that's right yeah. with the yeah. introduction yeah. of Ronan. They right. they had I don't remember which order what. Yeah, first issue they introduced the uh, what's it called the Sentinel, the, uh, right? The, the Sentry, excuse me, the Kree right. Sentry, yeah, the Kree Sentry, and then the next issue introduced Ronan because they I guess they had destroyed the Sentry and he was coming to punish them for that crime. Does that predate? The Star Trek episode where they where they blow up the uh, the spinny cube, and then Baylock comes to punish them for that. Well, that would Sorry. be that would be uh, the Corbin About movie. Sixty. Would, uh, that'd be so like sixty-six, right? Yeah, I would say. So it actually doesn't probably does. I would say Star Trek probably predates. Star Trek the FF. does, yeah, because I'm around I'm sixty in... something of the FF, so that's probably like a year later, maybe. It, well, I'm I'm mid sixty seven right now, and I'm not up to that issue yet. So it's it's probably late sixty seven, early sixty eight. I'm guessing. I, I'm not sure what exact issue I'm at yet. I'm 
I want to say somewhere in the high 40s, maybe low 60s or 50s rather. I'm I'm not sure. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. But I was I was just curious about that because that's one of those things I, I keep wondering about. But you know, I'm hearing, uh, and I don't know if you guys might might have heard this too, but I'm hearing rumblings that uh, that Doom might be uh, being introduced into the MCU. What? If they introduced him. How that, can they do that? that? If, well, if they introduce Doom, then that's, then that's saying they have the rights to the FF. Then. Yeah, that's, that's what I mean. Nobody who has the rights to the FF is going to give up Doom to keep the FF. Right. You sure right. it's really Doom, or is it like somebody well, that I'm, sounds I'm just, like... I'm just saying what, I, what I've heard rumors of, because apparently there was some picture that came out that everybody was losing their minds over because the, the set in the background, and I, I think this was for Avengers Infinity War. I, I could be wrong, but again... People were speculating that the set that they are on is actually Doomstod, which could be pretty damn cool. Because, I mean, there's been a lot of speculation once we're past, um, <clears throat> pardon me, once we're past Avengers Infinity War, then who's going to be the next big bad that they're going to set up? And Doom would be a hell of a good choice. You know, Doom would be pretty cool to, to start working on. You know, right now, setting up the next big guy. I'm thinking the mandrel. <laughs> the what? The mandrel. The mandrel. Okay. He would be the next big bad. Are we going to have you as the mandrel? Wow. You, you shave have, your butt. Then you have you have you could have the sequel with the mandrel sisters. The red ghost oh. and the super apes. Oh, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Maybe get Miracle Man. Who was the uh, who was the, the villain, the alien guy, Kurgo? Oh, you, you lost me on that. It's from, well, from why not just early, have Goom? From an early FF issue. Goom. Hey, Goom. <laughs> I'm here to conquer. <laughs> I'm Goom. I miss Goom. Too many right, to appear more. So we need to jump into movies. this before Bill falls, <laughs> yeah, falls really. asleep. So let's see if we could get actually get through six of them today. I don't know, can't promise you, but at number six, and virtually every one of these is on my list, even the one that's not on my list is kind of on my list. So at number six is Captain America, the first Avenger, with 132 and a half points. It got 20 votes, and one of them was for somebody's number one movie. Now, How do you get half a, half a vote? Uh, if somebody said they had a tie, like two movies tied uh, for second. I gotcha. They, they each got two and a half points, and then there was no number three. So, or, 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 well, you know, a half point. It wouldn't be two and a half points. It would be actually... So somebody could have had ten movies tied from first? Yeah, and then they would each get, uh, I don't know, I would, <laughs> add it all up and divide it by ten, whatever the number of points would be. They get point one. I tried to avoid people doing that. I asked them not to have ties, but people had ties anyway. People don't listen to me. <laughs> I love this movie. This was pretty... I don't remember what number it was on my list, but it was high. Uh, in fact, all three of the Captain America movies made it onto my list. Uh, this this was just great. It was a period piece. Uh, the special effects, I thought, were phenomenal. The way they made Steve Rogers look, you know, scrawny in the beginning. Uh, the casting mm -hmm. was great with Tommy Lee Jones and... Uh, I can't even think what the actor's name is that played the Red Skull. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. And uh, Chris, Chris Evans yeah. was great, and what's her name? Uh, you know, Peggy Carter uh, was great, and Howard 
Stark was great. The script was top-notch. The, you had the, the Howling Commandos in there, and they looked terrific. Uh, the, the score was excellent. I mean, just every aspect of this movie I thought was really top-notch. It was well-directed. Uh, the cinematography is gorgeous. I, I just I, I don't think I have a negative about this movie. What do you guys think of it? You're stalling! Of course, that's where we get the line from. Um, this was uh, this, this was the same director that did Rocketeer, right? Yep. Right. Yep. Scott. Yep. Joe Joe Johnston. Joe Johnston. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, he's obviously he's had experience with with the period piece, especially in this period. So, um, I I like this. I remember seeing it in a theater, um, and I've seen it a few times since then. I don't think I've seen it as many times as I'd like to sit down and watch it because sometimes it just just well. I mean, I don't actually own it. You don't, don't own I, it? Yeah, I don't, no, I don't own you. this one. No, I don't. I, I I haven't bought any Marvel movies in a while. I'm I'm behind on my movie purchasing. So I'm, I'm embarrassed of you. I've been waiting for them like everything to come on Netflix like it's supposed to, so I can just watch <laughs> it. All right, we'll forgive you that this was, time. That was the deal Marvel made. Okay. Although I might buy Doctor Strange when it comes out, I haven't well, decided. So, so far, I, I my my DVD purchasing has, or Blu-ray purchasing either way, has gone down some. I don't buy as much as I used to, but I do have every Marvel movie that's come out so far. Oh, I've got a large number of them. I just don't have every one. I think I kind of tapered off, like with uh, I, I didn't. I don't think I bought Iron Man three, or this one. Uh, yeah, hmm. I I need to revisit that. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, but yeah, and it's got a good score. I've actually actually used this to underscore some of uh, my podcasts, like one I did with Luke, where we were discussing a, a a fight scene from back in high school. So I put Captain America: The First Avenger underneath the uh, discussion. So it's it's got great music very casting like you said and then uh, they got that cool underwater boat plane sub thing that the hydra guy tries to get away in after the he shoots uh, yeah yeah when it's, it's like it, the bat it's like, sub isn't it <laughs> that's well, always reminds me of yeah because he hop he hops in and he's down under the water i mean it, it was a pretty cool looking like car boat type thing and then and then the red skull's got got his own unique uh Skullmobile. Got a cool getaway vehicle. Skullmobile. We got Arnim Zola. Yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot about that too. And they show him Looking like through the through TV the, screen, the TV screen thing, and everything, <laughs> which yep. is just a great little Easter egg in there. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I've I've given up on questioning whether or not Marvel, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, can bring things to the screen. I would have been concerned about how they could do the red skull and make him look good they made him look awesome awesome yeah i mean mm-hmm. he, he looked you know it looked legitimate and and he looked scary you know not not that i was frightened when i was watching it but like if i saw a guy like that in real life i'd probably shit my pants well like the first time <laughs> they hint, hinted that something was off with him when when he got struck in the face or he had to adjust his face and you could see a piece of red underneath his by his eye and he kind of like pushed his skin back in place, and then later 
peels off the whole face and he's got the red the you know the red skull and, uh, and it was it was good one of the things i really liked about the movie was what they did with uh professor erskine or dr erskine or whatever it is when he talked about you know whatever you are inside this is going to make you more of it and well, they was showed he watching him, swamp thing <laughs> i guess but they showed him before Remember he got the, the Captain swamp America thing formula when they took uh, right that was the whole point of the formula. It like made you know, it made the one guy that was a big bully. It just made him to a little tiny midget. You know, it's it's oh, it augmented his inner, you know, his inner self, and it made Louis Jordan a monster. The whole thing about him, you know, becoming more of whatever he was, I think uh, I really I really liked the way they did it because before he got the formula. They showed what a heroic person he was. That whole thing mm-hmm. with the, uh, you know, when he with jumped the on, the, on the, the dud grenade, uh, his efforts just to get into the army, despite the fact that they kept turning him down. And then they also showed, you know, that he that he was a thinker. You know, when everybody was trying to climb the pole and get the flag, and he just went over and pulled the pin. You know, that they showed his character before he turned into a superhero. And I thought that was really, really well done. Because by doing that, you didn't have a transformation of the character. You just had a transformation of him physically. And I think that was that was just, you know, it's, it's a little bit more subtle when you think about it. And I just think it was just so well done. I was just going to say, uh, the I only reason this it. was... The, I, I liked it. I thought it was cool. That one part where you did that thing. I was waiting I for that. D-Man. <laughs> Yeah. Now the only uh, the only reason this one didn't make my list well for one thing I've got the other two Captain Americas on the list but uh, also um, I already I already have the the Rocketeer on my list and this is going to come up again here in just a moment but I I almost consider these to be you know part of the same project if if that makes any sense you know they're both directed by the same director they're both taking place in, in exactly the same time period. And I just think one is like a natural extension of the other, you know. And so it just, it, to me, it just seemed kind of redundant to put them both on the list. And I will admit, I like the Rocketeer more than I like Captain America: First Avenger. But I mean, it's you know, that's splitting hairs. I mean, they they really are, um, you know, two t- two sides of the same coin, really. Um, I I, th- I think very highly of this movie. I do have some quibbles with it, but I'm not really going to go into all that. I mean, generally speaking, um, I, I think it's right up there with, amongst the the best of the Marvel uh, Cinematic Universe movies. So yeah, I dig the hell out of it. I'm curious because uh, I have no quibbles with this movie. What what just out of curiosity, what what would be your biggest quibble? God, biggest quibble. Um, off the top of my head, my, my single biggest quibble is the end of the movie. Now, I fully expected that uh, they would what, make... Back in the real world? That yeah, part? yeah. I, I, I fully expected that they would do that. I wasn't sure if that would happen in this movie or if the, it would happen in the Avengers. I'm glad they did it. I, I just thought the execution of it it feels very rushed like somebody told them okay you can do it but you got 10 minutes go and so it's i i didn't think it was as satisfactory as i I would have liked it to to be it almost feel even though it does come 
right at the end of the movie before the credits roll, it still feels like a post-credit sequence to me in a lot of ways, and, and it's and it's very weird in that aspect. Um, I like parts of it, you know, like him running down Times Square and you know Nick Fury being the one to you know basically talk him down and everything. But at the end of the day, that whole sequence feels very rushed and very weird to me. I really wanted to see Frozen Cap. With the, with the submarine and the big giant man hand coming well, out to get him. Not necessarily that, but I mean, you know, I, I wanted to see, you know, we get a glimpse. And I mean, it is a glimpse because I tried to get a screenshot of this a while back because I wanted to make it a wallpaper. And it's so fast that even on Blu-ray... Uh, it's very blurry because it's just a very quick pan, you know, blink and you'll miss it. But there is a shot in the Avengers when Cap, you know, when we first get to Cap, when he's in the, uh, the, you know, when he's boxing in the gym and he's having little flashbacks. And there's that one little moment where you hear the guy go, hey, this guy's alive. And it's a shot of Cap on a table all covered in ice. Mm. I wanted more of that, you know. I, I knew it wasn't going to be the classic, you know, submarine and, as you say, you know, giant man's you know, hand reaching out and pulling him in and all that. I knew that we weren't going to get that, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But something a little closer to, you know, that imagery, you know, cap on a table in his, you know, in the costume he was wearing, which was already very reminiscent of, you know, how they found him, you know, the look he had when they found him in... Um, Avengers number four, you know, with a shield on his chest or something like that, you know, covered in ice or hell, even in a block of ice as, as comic booky as that may sound, you know, just something a little closer to that. And instead, you know, he wakes up and he's in a T-shirt and, you know, the whole, you know, just the whole way that scene plays out. And it just feels very, very just rushed and, and very tacked on and just a little clunky compared to how fine I think the rest of the movie is. It's it's a quibble, but. You know, it, it is one of those things that does. I, I gotta. I have to admit, it kind of takes the movie down a notch because that's an important scene. You know, that sets his tone for how you're going to see him from this point forward. And I just didn't think it was as satisfactory as as I would have liked it to be. Um, you know, so much of uh, of that Avengers movie, you know, and and the MCU in general has taken elements from. Um, the Ultimates, I thought, <clears throat> pardon me, I thought the way Cap was found and brought back in, say, Ultimate Avengers, the animated movie, was was fantastic. I would have liked to have seen something more like that uh, in the way they brought Cap back, whether, again, whether that wound up at the end of First Avenger or whether it wound up in the Avengers movie. Uh, and it's really, it's really just kind of brushed past you know it's just kind of like oh yeah he's back and eh, i wanted a little bit more than that but uh i don't know everything else really does fall into the realm of of general nitpick and you know movie making kind of stuff and not really so much cap himself or the story or what i i really enjoy it i, th I think it's great um and uh like i say it's right up there and, and the only reason again it didn't make my list is i, I just felt and, you know, putting the Rocketeer and Captain America First Avenger, that's a little redundant. Let me just go with one. So, you know, Rocketeer one out. Yeah, I, I do agree with you that they are uh, kindred spirits, so to speak. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and, and Rocketeer didn't make my list. But I didn't, 
when I put together my list, I didn't really make a conscious effort to exclude anything. I just really tried to say, what are my 10 best, my 10 favorites? Right. And that was it. Right. I just, you know, whatever it was, it was. I just went with it. So yeah. that's, that's how all three Captain America movies got onto my list. <laughs> Bill, any, any more thoughts on this other than that you don't want to see it again? I didn't say I didn't want to see it again. <laughs> well, so that's, I didn't I, own it. I was reading between the lines a little. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Oh, no. This uh, this was one of the harder ones for me to get on Blu-ray because I, uh, when it came to the original movies, you know, leading up to the Avengers and the Avengers itself, I wanted the deluxe versions of all of them because... They all had, <clears throat> pardon me, they all had multiple releases. I, I think all of them had at least two releases. They had one that was just like, here's the disc with the movie on it. And then they had other ones where it's like, you know, here's two or three discs with all kinds of bonus shit. And I wanted those. And this particular one was hard for me to track down because I'm a cheap bastard and I wanted it cheap. And back when Movie Stop was around, I kept ha uh, haunting Movie Stop until I finally found it. Um, Let's say I paid about 18 bucks for it, I think, which was not bad because this is a. It's at so, least two disc. I want to say three, but I, I could be wrong. But it's at least you, a two disc. Were you going into Movie Stop or were you coming in with a big sheet over you going, <laughs> a little bit of both? I scared him into lowering the price so I could get it. Yeah. <laughs> Dick. I'm Scott Gardner. Give me a movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right, keeping moving along a little bit. On number five on our list at 134 points, 20 votes, and three of them at number one is Superman 2. Now, Electric Boogaloo. there was a distinction on a couple of the lists Can as to whether we went the with Donner the Donner Cut. Yeah, there was, I think one person said they preferred the Donner Cut, and then there were one or two people who said absolutely not the Donner Cut. But I, for, for the purposes of this list, I combine them anyway. Now, oddly yeah. enough, I do own a copy of the Donner Cut, but not the original Superman 2. <laughs> I own the original Superman 2, but not the Donner Cut. Aha! So, uh, this at one time was my all-time favorite. This actually, at one time, uh, superseded Superman the movie, which is on my list, and this isn't. Superseded so Superman? Hmm? Superseded Superman? Say that real, real, real fast. Uh, I think to some extent, I, and, and there's still things about this movie that I love, and I can sit and watch it pretty much any time, but I think time hasn't been totally kind to it. Mm. I think there's, there's action sequences that are not as robust as I'd like them to be, and there's a lot of the humor in this thing that just, you know, I, I, I one time didn't bother me. And it does bother me now, like the skateboarding guy, or sk skating guy, rather. Um, oh, getting blown back, yes. back down the street. Or the guy whoa, on the whoa, phone. Whoa, the guy in particular, whoa, the guy on the guy? phone. I yeah. hate the guy on the phone. That's <laughs> all Richard Lester. Yes. Oh, yeah. And and some of that stuff has, has hurt it in, you know, over time for me. But just the same, like I said, I could sit and watch this virtually any time anyway, despite what are some shortcomings for me. 
And I, I'm pretty confident for you, Scott, this didn't make your list only because you kind of see it as a companion piece to Superman 2. Uh, Superman I, the movie, I, rather. I don't draw a distinction between the two of them because they were filmed simultaneously by Richard Donner. Um, almost. Almost. I'm not one of those people that, you know, loves one and hates the other uh, of the cuts because I desperately wish I had the talents to do my own fan edit because I would like to make like the you know Superman 2 the adventure continues ultimate edition because there are things I love from both of them um, that I wish wish that I could just sit them down side by side and mix and match and and create my own cut because I, I love the Lester cut. That is my preferred one. I mean, it's the original one. You know, it's the theatrical one. That's the one that I love. But I also love the uncut Lester version, which is much longer. It's got all the extra stuff in it and everything. Um, but there's there's some scenes I would definitely excise out of it. And, and it's generally speaking, it's the Lester comedy stuff because... I don't know what the hell he was going for, but that was the beginning of the end of the franchise is when they stopped going straight verisimilitude and started to go for stupid shit. Now, granted, Superman the movie has plenty of comedy in it, and it has, you know, levity and nice little, you know, jokes and things like that, but off the top of my head, I can't think of anything in Superman the movie that I don't think works or that I think pokes fun at Superman and makes you roll your eyes. And there's, unfortunately, I, I agree with you, Paul, time has not been kind. And a lot of those things that happened in Superman 2 that I used to just let slide when I was a kid, I can't let them slide anymore. They, they increasingly annoy the shit out of me when I watch the movie. Uh, you know, not so much like the, the, the guy on roller skates, but definitely the guy on the phone is ridiculous. The woman that walks out and you forgot your change ah! blows down the street and all that shit. And, it's like, come on, you know, it's, it's just, just too much stupid stuff like that. Um, and that was all Lester. But at the same rate, I'm not going to bust on Lester because the Eiffel Tower sequence at the beginning, I love that shit. And that's all Lester. I mean, that's not Donner at all. So, I mean, like I say, I wish I wish I could sit down and just do a, a mix and match and, and combine, you know, elements and, and remove this and add that and all that because... Um, one thing I think is is fantastic in the Donner cut is the invasion of the White House is a hell of a lot more brutal in that, and that really works. But and, Lester and non is is much more threatening and much more threatening. The, he's the, not the just Donner a big cut. doofus. He's he's actually he's frightening. You know, he's scary, as he should be. Um, but then Lester had a better angle on the love story than than Donner did. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's this constant bounce back and forth. This scene's better with this guy, this scene's better with that guy. And, you know, I, I think if you could really spend some serious time and sit down and, and, and work the whole thing out, I think between the two of them, you've got, you know, just, you know, just a hell of a great movie. Um, but again, I, I do love the original Superman two, you know, in, in its original theatrical form as well. I mean, I'm, I'm not too down on it. I still do consider it just, I mean, what it truly is. It's it's Superman the movie continued. So for that reason alone, this movie did not make my list only because I'm going to lump it in with Superman. So there you go. I, I dig it. I, well, I think this was great. my this was my number five. 
and it's the number five on our list. Yeah, that's well. cool. That's uh, neat that it wound up at the the same place that you ranked it. That's neat. You set the trend. Yeah, and I I have the um, which something I think Russell just posted in back of the bins. Um, I didn't. I've got the like big magazines from Superman two and and Superman the movie. I didn't know that that was like the like the DC special edition or whatever, like C whatever. Uh huh. Well, I didn't realize that that's that that's what those were. I thought it was just like a special movie edition. So I I guess I do have some of the you know because I think on an er, er, earlier show I said well I don't have any of those o- o- oversized special edition books, but I guess I do because I have both Superman the movie and Superman two. And I think I had two of them, and I cut one up and made a collage out of it, and like put it in a, like made a Superman scrapbook that I took to school. I felt like such a geek <laughs> because it was about the time the movie was out. And it's like, yeah, it's a collage I made with <laughs> Superman. And none of the women here should ever date me. <laughs> yeah. Well, it had a nice big picture of Miss Tessmacher in there. <laughs> yes, it's like oh, everybody, per- all the boys perked up on that one. You know, of course it was a little creepy because I think I was I don't know ten or eleven. Anyway, enough of that. Uh, <laughs> we'll just move along. That's getting a little creepy. <laughs> right. Number four on our list, and if we and go number four on my list, if we go according well. to the way we've worked so far on this on this show, this will be the last one we finish in today's episode. Uh, <laughs> But I, th- I think we'll try and do more. Uh, number four with 161 points, 24 votes, and four number one votes, Guardians of the Galaxy. Now, we talked earlier uh, when Thor had come up about how I had my, not doubts, but I guess certain misgivings as to whether or not they'd be able to pull it off and put it on the screen and have it, have it look the way we'd wanted to, and uh, how, how that really did set the tone for Marvel where, where they started showing me that they could do stuff that I didn't think they were able to. And yet, despite that, when this was announced, I had my doubts as to whether or not they could pull this one off. Uh, you know, I, I kept saying, well, they've done so well so far, I got to give them the benefit of the doubt. But in the back of my mind, I still had a lot of doubt. And I was, when I went to see this, I was shocked at how much I loved it. This, Every movie from mm-hmm. this point forward is on my list, so I don't. I, I guess I, I don't need to mention that they're on my list. But uh, this this was just awesome. The, the comedy worked. The uh, the adventure worked. The characters worked. I mean, and to make Groot and Rocket be not necessarily believable, but viable characters, and kind of make them the breakout characters of the movie. Uh, it's just just tremendous unbelievable that what they were able to do with this now we got guardians 2 coming out in another uh in, well in may and i can only imagine where that's going to end up falling on the list for people if we were to redo this at that point mm. well Scott i do remember I you a... guys went to see this at a special premiere and i was very jealous yeah i was gonna say that we have a we have a special connection for this movie because we got to see it what was it a week early from the release date, Scott? Uh, yeah, a week, week and a half, something like that. Yeah, yeah, we had to see it early. Oh, oh, plus, we got free swag. I hated you for that, too. Yep, I still got my swag. Yep, I, I, got, uh, my, I got nothing. 
I was worked up for this way back when when they initially announced it. I was like, "Ooh, that's that's." I was uh, well. Let me let me correct. I, I would because I don't want to rewrite history, but I was I was intrigued by it when it was initially announced because I thought, "Wow, you know, that's you know, what's up with that?" I mean, you, you know, they they've gone from you know all the big guys, you know, Captain America and Thor and the Hulk and everybody, and all of a sudden, wait, Guardians of the Galaxy. But I was very intrigued by it. But I, I wasn't really familiar with that comic book iteration of the Guardians. So then, you know, I went out and I sought out, you know, Annihilation and everything, which is what this uh, iteration, you know, uh, was spawned out of. Read that, loved it, thought it was great, and then I was I was on board. I'm like, okay, if they can bring that to the big screen, that's going to be pretty damn cool. But I was still nervous about it. I'm like, you know, nobody knows who these guys are. They're, you know, they're they're really complete unknowns. Even a lot of hardcore comic book fans really didn't know who the characters were, how it was, you know, how is it going to work? How are they going to, you know, bring them in without doing Annihilation? All that sort of thing. And then they had a preview uh, center at disney's hollywood studios where you could go in it was in 3d which was fantastic and it basically played the entire opener of the movie so it played from when um you didn't see quill's abduction at the beginning like when he's a little kid Mm -hmm. but after the you know when you're watching the actual movie as it exists now after the marvel logo and it cuts to the planet at the beginning that I cannot believe I'm blanking on the name of, but it cuts uh, to the planet and Quill lands. Teddy Alpha walks, 5. Walks this in with is his, Teddy Alpha 5. He walks in with his little tricorder, tracks down the orb, has the whole chase sequence. That entire sequence from when he lands on the planet until uh, his ship is hit by the geyser after he's running away uh, from the guys that are pursuing him that, I mean, what is that? It's like 10 minutes. Yeah. That entire sequence was the preview. And then they also gave little snippets, like a, like a traditional trailer after that showing other sequences of the movie very quickly. I must've gone to see that thing a dozen times. I was just, I was nuts about it. I was like, this movie is going to be awesome. So by the time we actually won the preview and got to go to the preview, I was really psyched up for it and uh, and absolutely loved it. I, I I thought it was fantastic. This is number two on my personal list, and uh, I, I think it's great. I think it is the single best film that uh, the MCU has done so far, and I think any other film is, is going to have to really be on its game to ever bump it off that list for me because it's it's great. I mean, I think there are other truly great MCU films as well, but this one is just right up there for me. I love the hell out of this movie. So there you go. Guardians of the Galaxy. Good, good shit. This is a great movie. I mean, I walked out of this feeling the exact same way I've, I felt walking out of Star Wars in 1977, and that's no mean feat, you know? I, I never expected to feel that way again. And, and I totally I think did. it says something to feel that way as a middle-aged man as opposed to being a kid. You know, when you're a kid, it's a little easier to bring those feelings out. Yep. So to do it, I mean, you know, when you're it was, older. It was, it was a serious movie, but it was fun. 
too. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, the whole thing with you know, and the one thing that I questioned whether or not it would age well was the whole uh, cassette recorder and the songs and everything. Now I happen to love that music. That's that's right. that's that's in my sweet spot. Seventies pop music. Uh, but I wasn't sure if that was going to hit with the audience at large the way it has. So it looks like they're going to do it a little bit more of that in the new one also, because they did have uh, in the trailer they have I don't remember what song. Fleetwood Mac, I believe. I think it's Rhiannon. Or, Is uh, it? It's. The it's, one that it, I've been hearing is uh, is Sweet. Yes, yeah, Sweet. Uh, I can't think of what the name of the song is. Fox on the Run? That's it. Yeah. That's the one I've been hearing. But there, there is another one that I think is Fleetwood Mac because I saw somebody post today on Facebook saying uh, like, the I think that Guardians was in... trailer has me listening to Fleetwood Mac. So I don't know what the hell song yeah, they're that talking was in, about. That but... was in the Super Bowl one, I think. That, that it, showed, oh, okay. it showed the um, uh, it showed her, um, you know, the other, the, the counterpart to him, to Adam Warlock. Oh, is that her? Is that that's, is she the one that's saying, uh, "What the hell are yeah. you thinking?" Or but something. There's a whole no, that's that's Mantis. No, 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 no. The woman that's all in gold is uh, Aisha, whatever A Y E S H, who's another form, like a later form of her. Like Adam Warlock was him. But then, but then everybody else in that room also is the same. Like if you look at the people behind her and up on the big, up on the dais or the whatever throne or whatever she's standing above the guardians, all the other people are, look like the same type of creature, like the same race. Right. So I'm not sure exactly what's going on there. I'm sure we'll right. find out, you know, when the movie gets here. I'm sure we will. But we there also bumped I, into two of your two of your there. buddies when we went and saw the movie too, Scott. Yeah. Yep, Eric Peterson and yes. Todd Grady. Yeah. Don't we hear? Don't we hear from one of them every time the show is on? <laughs> every single show. show. Yeah. Not yeah. a guy who says "back to the bins." Yep. Oh, that's right. That's Eric. Yeah. Yep. That is. And Eric. then Scott does the other one, right? The uh, no, it's not. Like, Dude, Todd. Yeah. Todd. Yeah. Yep. Radio broadcast. Well, it's funny that set that you're talking about that she's standing on really strongly gives me a vibe of when uh, Bill and Ted uh, are given uh, station as a as a team member in uh, Bill and Ted's uh, bogus journey. Station. <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that trailer again. Yeah, but I'm, I knew I'm... there had to be a ton of Easter eggs in there, but I, I didn't want to examine it too close to because I, I don't. At this point, I don't want to know any more than I know. Because when I first saw that trailer, something... I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but something happens to one of the cast members in that trailer. And I thought, well, shit, they just gave that away. But then watching it again, I don't think they're actually dead. I think it's just like they got whacked by something. Oh, you mean... Well, well, I guess I shouldn't spoil since I spoiled stuff last time. I won't say <laughs> You are a big spoiling you... guy. The spoiler. I, I mean, that's my comic name. The spoiler. My, my you know general, what I'm talking about. My though. general attitude is I don't like to see trailers once I've decided I'm 100% going to see the movie. Which, there's no question I'm going to see this movie. Uh, right. So, yeah, so I should avoid also, the trailer because I don't want spoilers. Because I want to work you in know, there as clean as I can. Also, lately, a lot of movies have been putting stuff in trailers that aren't in the movie. Like yeah. Rogue One? Yeah. TIE Fighter. A load of crap. 
Okay, so keeping on moving on with the list, we get the third and final Captain America movie in the top 100. Captain America Winter Soldier got 186 points, 19 votes, and four for first place. Now this one... What no, wait, I, did you guys say where Guardians was on your list, or, or if it was my, on your list? My, mine was matched up with the... Mine was fourth. I think it was, fifth, was I think it was fifth on mine, but it could have been fourth. I'm not sure. Might have been third. I don't even remember for sure. Captain America, right. Captain America Winter Soldier is not on my list. What? Oh, you're such an nope. idiot. I mean, uh, yeah, I guess. What? I <laughs> Why is it not on your list? Do you not like it? Yeah, what's I, the matter with you? I, I, I like it. I just <laughs> I think I just had a blind spot when I was making the list. Hmm. Because they didn't want just all to have all maybe like mainstream... I hate to tell you this, but you have lots of blind spots. You really need some mirrors. But... <laughs> that giant mirror in your mother-in-law's car. <laughs> <laughs> I should have had that when I was If you had that, you, you Winter Soldier would have been on your list. <laughs> I would have looked in and, you know, oh, look, there's all the Avengers in the Marvel Universe in my mirror. Oh, I should put them down. You should beep when you back up, too, but that's a whole different conversation. Hey, my work van does. Beep, beep, beep. Wait a minute, are you saying I'm big? No, no, I don't. Mm. Mm. What's What's cool about this movie is uh, what's not cool about this movie. Yeah, you know, I'll tell yeah, you. One th- was... I'll tell you my one my one thing about it that's, that's not cool as far as I'm concerned. Not a huge fan of the score. The score is kind of me. All right. Well, that's our show for tonight, folks. I'm talking about wow. I'm talking about the Winter Soldier aspect of it. That screeching wow. sound, I don't like it. Well. <sighs> I'll agree with you in the aspect of listening to it as an album is rough with that. I, I will give you that. But in the movie itself, I think it works incredibly well. Uh, I think it works. I don't know about incredibly well. Uh, but just when I've heard it since, it's just that that screeching just really kind of kind of gets on my nerves a little. Like a dog barking? Oh, yeah. sorry. Hey, I've been working at keeping a quiet. <laughs> I keep having to throw a toy so that she can. Oh, you, you know. As we were talking about the last film, I almost changed my picture on my on my Skype thing, and uh, and I didn't do it. And then and then Bill goes there. Now I got to change it. Why? What did I? <laughs> well, I guess we'll we'll see in a moment. You're you're gonna see in a moment. Oh boy. Stand so uh, so back to Winter Soldier. <laughs> What I loved about this was was how they stayed they stayed true to the Captain America character as he was portrayed in the first movie, and yet they built on him. They gave him that relationship with with Sam Wilson, and they gave mm-hmm. him the relationship with with, with the, you know Bucky, which you already had some sign of it, but now you saw it growing some, you know, with his dedication to him and trying to get him, you know, to, to remember who he was and where he came from and everything. Uh, that and with, with, you know, the Hydra thing coming to a head, uh, you know, Robert Redford in it. And there's so many aspects of this movie that just was so well done. And, yep. you know, his interaction with the Scarlet, Scarlet Witch, with uh, the Black Widow, uh, and and being able to do that and not create a romance, you know, some sort of real forced romance between the two, uh, just just every aspect. Uh, this is another one where I, I feel like it's an almost perfect movie. And, and again, was, Arnim Zola. And Arnim this Zola. time as yes. a computer. Yeah, that I was just gonna say that right there is 
that scene that now no don't get me wrong i love the movie i think the movie is fantastic top to bottom i have very few quibbles with the movie but that that scene with artem zola pushes me so far over the top with this one i love that scene i remember watching this in the movie and i just you know i i know it sounds really just like i'm wildly exaggerating but i mean i had like goosebumps you know what i mean i i just had that like cold chill all over like oh my god this shit is awesome when i realized they're going there they're going with robot zola and that was just awesome and that that is the scene that every time I, I dig this out and watch it again, that is still the scene that that makes the entire movie for me. Because I thought, I mean, I like, I love Toby Jones. I think he's a great actor. I loved him as Zola in the first movie and everything. But bringing him back, giving him that really creepy War Games computer voice and just the entire way that scene plays. I love the dialogue. I, I love the the way he lays out the whole uh, secret history of shield and Hydra, you know, that relationship and, and how they've gotten the world to the point that it's at. I I love it. And, and it was also that scene that ultimately made me make peace with the whole winter soldier thing. I mean, the fact that this movie's on my list anyway is, is an absolute miracle because I've never, ever made any mistake, you know, any, uh, bones about the fact that I don't like, the fact, the fact that, that they Bucky resurrected yeah that they resurrected Bucky in the comics i hate that shit but i give it a big old pass with the cinematic universe because it's it's not the comic book universe it's very much more ultimate at least in my mind but this scene really just it it, it went such a long way to just saying okay you know I'm, I'm cool with the winter soldier now because that scene totally works I, I, I love how that plays out um, I'm still not crazy about you know comic book you know 616 Bucky being back but this thing with Bucky and, and the winter soldier it's, I think it's pretty fantastic I, I love the hell out of this movie and uh, Paul's dead wrong the, sto- the score is fantastic I'm not dead wrong but you're dead wrong. <laughs> no, Again, not a movie. Oh, I I'm, I'm curious what you think of this of the music in the in the Nick Fury scene when Fu- when Fury gets attacked and and has the high speed chase. Not what do you think of the music in that part? Honestly, I'd probably have to watch it again to get a good feel for it because I don't have a very distinct memory that was, of it. That was a that was a tag scene at the end of one of the. Uh, that was when they really were lining up Agents of Shield. With right. the movie universe, and that was like the in tag scene before the movie came out. Was that whole Fury right. chase scene? I do right. remember that. I mean, just as a general proposition, that scene is incredibly intense and mm-hmm. very well put together as an action sequence. So while I don't have a specific memory of the exact way the score sounded in that scene, I gotta think that it, it added to it and created a little bit more of that action tension feel. So, right. so my thought is, yeah, I probably would be on board with you for that. Like I said, the only thing I really had a problem score-wise was the Bucky theme. I just yeah. the, the screeching yeah, the screech really itself. just got on my yeah. nerves. But otherwise, I, you know, I, I didn't, you know, I didn't mind the score otherwise. So, and maybe if I listened to, to it more carefully, I'd actually like it. Uh, but I, I, I didn't care for that aspect. 
no, I, I, I can actually, I actually do agree with you. Um, I, I was just busting your chops. Yeah, the the screechy thing does get on the nerves. Um, like I say, I think for the most part, I think it works in the movie. Um, it, it does kind of still wear on the nerves a bit, but as an isolated listen, like if you're just listening to it for pleasure, um, those tend to be the tracks that I will skip or fast forward or whatever because yeah, it, it does get on your nerves. But the traditional uh, elements of the score with you know minus the the Winter Soldier theme or the Winter Soldier screechy parts uh, is a fantastic score. I mean it's it's very high on my list. The score and, it, and it's one of those things that's in the movie that you probably don't even consciously think or, or even really hear. But uh, Henry Jackman also wrote the part, you know, wrote the music for the part where Cap is walking through the museum and you hear Gary Sinise doing the uh, the narration, you know, telling about Cap's life. Listen to the music in the background of that scene the next time you watch it. That music is beautiful. And it plays in the scene as if it was like you were in a museum. You know, and, and museums do that. You know, they'll have a, you know, a narrator or whatever and a little piece of music that will play along with the different scenes. And it plays so naturally that you might at first think that it's just, you know, it's just part of that environment he's actually in and not really part of the score. But it is. And it, it's just masterfully done. It fits so well that it's just seamless. You know, I've and, never uh, seen that scene. Really? Yep. Because the only time I saw this movie was when I was in a the theater. How could you and... not have seen these movies more than once? Jeez, I don't see you on this show. <laughs> Why are you wasting your life? What are you like I going to work? Watching... <laughs> I had to go to the bathroom during that scene. Oh, so I came Lord. back and I said to Ben, I'm like, what did I miss? He's like, uh, he went in there and Stan Lee showed up as a security guard. And he got his uh, he got his outfit. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Well, no, no, that's is... what they make those big popcorn buckets for. All right. <laughs> With the scene I was talking about and the scene you're just talking about, that means that you went to the bathroom for two hours, basically. Because <laughs> that's, yeah, completely different scenes. No. It is Bill. No. <laughs> only he, went once during that movie. He may have been no, on Diet I, Mountain Dew over when, when, when Cap goes to the museum at the very beginning of the movie. Oh, I'm he, talking about later when he well, goes. I was oh. talking about earlier. Oh, okay. <laughs> so right, you've sorry. seen the scene. So I have seen that scene. Right. I haven't seen the other scene when he goes. I haven't seen the imaginary scene. That scene, he doesn't actually go to the museum. He he, well, he just says, I'm going to... He does, but you don't see it. You see Stan Lee's reaction to him having broken oh, in okay. and stolen his costume, but you don't actually see him break in because... Yeah. Well, maybe I should go back and watch it. It's now. a montage. montage. Same thing with uh, with Falcon stealing his, his outfit, which I got to thinking about recently... God, what the hell was I... I must have been watching, I don't know, Civil War, I guess. And I got to thinking about that being a bit of a plot hole in the Marvel Cinematic Universe about the Falcon. I mean, how did the Falcon exactly get to be a superhero and an Avenger and well-known and all that when essentially he ripped off his outfit from the U.S. military? I guess maybe after the whole Winter Soldier thing, they, uh, they, they let him keep let it. it slide. I guess, yeah, they just let it slide. That's not to press charges for breaking into a, you know, top secret installation or anything. I don't remember them being that generous when I worked for him, but, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I don't remember you stealing Falcon's wings. Well, that's because he stole the stilt. That's because he stole the stilt man outfit, and nobody cared. <laughs> I stole the armadillo outfit. <laughs> the porcupine. <laughs> okay, you thought of one lemur than I did. <laughs> All right, moving to number two on our list. It is my number three. Wait, this is where we have to break and then say uh, we'll we'll catch you next episode, right? Hey, I'm all up for it. We should, but... (laughs) But this was actually my number one. It's number two on the list. It's my number one. Wow. It's it's my number three. It's The Avengers. 192 points. 30 votes. Two at number one. So it's me and one other person. Uh, This one was just... You remember, it's a similar thought to what I said uh, with Civil War, where it was it was kind of what I waited my whole life to see. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the Marvel Universe started ramping it up. You know, they came out with Iron Man, then they came out with the Hulk, then we had Iron Man 2, we had Thor, we had Captain America, the first Avenger. All of these movies were just getting me more and more and more psyched. And then when they finally came out with the combo movie with all of them together, I thought it's going to be a jumbled mess. And yet they managed to put together one of, in my opinion, one of the best action movies of all time. Every character had its moment in the sun. uh, And and most of them had more than one. We had a a fantastic fight between the Hulk and Thor. Uh, We had the helicarrier on screen looking believable. Uh, Just Mm -hmm. so many things about this movie that just were just like I said, it was what I waited my whole life for, and I got it, and I was like, basically, I was a 12-year-old kid again watching this movie. Uh, this this is this is number one for me. That's <laughs> what more do I need to say? I do own this movie, and I have recently watched it again, and I've been playing it on Marvel Marvel Lego Avengers, playing through the movie, and it's fun. Been enjoying this, enjoying the heck out of it. See, I do own a movie. Was it on your list? Yeah, it was number three on my list. Number three. Where was it for you, Scott? I actually didn't put it on my list only because there's so much Marvel already on my list. I I still feel weird about having both Winter Soldier and Civil War in my top ten. Um, you hypocrite! Oh, I, I can't I, see how you're gonna have Captain America. <laughs> Did you have a Captain America in yes. your top ten? Okay, all right, all right, all right. All he right. had the Red Brown one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had uh, I had Age of Ultron on my list, and if I if I if I'm completely honest with myself, and I had to choose one or the other, I would go with Age of Ultron. I I just that one gets that one has a leg up for me. On uh, on the Avengers. That's not to say I don't like it. I, I love the Avengers. I, I totally agree with everything Paul said. This movie is a modern day miracle. It's the movie that totally shouldn't have worked. By all rights, just shouldn't have worked. And it did. And it's a fantastic movie uh, that I have. I mean, I, I can't even think of a qualm off the top. I know I have some, but off the top of my head, I can't even think of what they are at the moment. I love it. I just... It's just a hell of a fun movie to just sit and, and geek out and just love. There's so many great visual things. Um, but the reason that Age of Ultron kind of gets the nod for me is that Age of Ultron, I, I feel, just has a story. 
and not just my heroes getting together and, and doing cool things. Whereas Avengers, at the end of the day, I don't think Avengers has much of a story. I think it's a great movie as far as the fun, you know, just a fun visual ride. But I think it's kind of threadbare. They just all get together and they fight the bad guys. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, when, when you're talking about just, you know, having a little more meat on the bone, I just I, I think all, Age of Ultron just had a little more meat on the bone as far as the story goes. Uh, but again, you know, Avengers, I, I, I love the hell out of it. I think it has a really good score. I don't know that I'd call it necessarily a great score, although I love the, the Avengers theme itself. The main theme is awesome. Yeah, the main theme is incredible. Um, the overall score um, has its moments. Um, it, it really where it picks up is when they when they finally assemble. From from that point on, the scores it, it's a great score. Prior to that, it it has its rises and falls. I mean, when the helicarrier takes off, that's a great piece of music. Um, you know, when the helicarrier gets attacked, is a pretty good piece of music. And then again, you know, when they all assemble, and that from you know from from the assemblage to through the fight through the end of the movie, the score is great. Prior to that, it's it's a little weak, honestly. Um, Avengers assemblage. And I, I have to be honest, whenever I, I will pop Avengers in to actually watch it, I generally will start it from when we get the Marvel, or excuse me, when we get the Avengers logo going forward, you know, in the in the Black Canary sequence, or yeah, Black Canary, Black um, Widow sequence and all that. That opener with with Loki at the facility and all, if I'm completely honest with myself, I I've always thought that was a little lame. Um, I remember watching it in the theater for the very first time and really worrying that this movie was not going to work because I, I just think the opener's weak. But once you get past that logo and we start to get the other Avengers actually introduced into it, particularly Cap. Uh, and Iron Man and Thor, that that's when it starts to click, and that's when it all starts to come together. So, um, so it drags a bit in the beginning for me, and, and that's that's probably my biggest and harshest criticism with it. I just I think it could start a little stronger than it does. Yeah, yeah, maybe just a little. But yeah, once once they all start meeting up, it does it, it just picks up and well, goes I, full blast the rest I, of the way. I kind of took that beginning as the way of them working in Hawkeye. And right. not, not having him necessarily, you know, look inferior next to the stronger, more powerful heroes. Right. You know, they, they had him, you know, basically fall under the mind control right, right away. And then he had to overcome that and just join the battle as opposed right. to having him in the assemble part. Uh, and I, I think that was kind of a wise decision because I think otherwise he his character would have seemed more marginalized than it ultimately did when he joined the battle. Right. So I took that, that opening sequence, you know, as, as basically as setup, and I, I had no problem with it. You know, and we do get the action sequence there when he, you know, when he first leaves with the staff and everything, and they're chasing after him. So, right. So I, I, yeah, I'm fine with it. From beginning to end, I'm good with this movie. That's why it's number one, and I <laughs> and I guess that's why it's number two overall. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, final movie on our list, and which was my was, number one. My 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 number two was Batman, nineteen eighty nine. Well, this one 
<laughs> now, number two on the list got 192 points. This one got 301.5 points. Yeah. So we had a big difference there. This ended up on 39 of our lists. I don't remember how many people voted, but I think it was somewhere around 50. So it was still on 39 of the lists. And uh, 15 people had it as their number one. So it was a runaway number one movie. And mm-hmm. it's Superman the movie. Uh, the I, remember I, I, sa- I said earlier that, that, that Superman 2 was my favorite for a long time. And eventually, though, I, I like this took back its rightful place for me uh, as higher. This is on my list. Superman 2 isn't. Uh, this I think this was like number three or four on my list, somewhere around there. Uh, the first half of this movie, from Krypton until he leaves the Fortress of Solitude, I really believe is pretty much a perfect movie. It's done as a period piece. It's done as a science fiction movie. Uh, it's awe-inspiring. The characters are enjoyable. It's spectacle. Uh, you, you know, you have the Mon Park Kent who are very likable, and and you know, you you see what especially Park Kent is doing to raise him and to raise him the right way. Uh, up until he goes to the Fortress of Solitude, and then he learns to be Superman, and then when he comes out and he just flies away. Uh, That scene used to give me goosebumps. It might do it if I watch the movie now. The second half of it, it does drop down a level for me. And and I've said so many times, it's there's there's basically two things in it. There's the love song with Lois Lane that just irritates the hell out of me. And there's some of the uh, humor with Otis. Uh, Now, I I love Otis Berg. uh, But just, he's such a dopey character that, I don't know, it's just... There's, there's some aspects of, of Otis that bother me a little bit. Come uh, on, man. That's 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 the Chris Tyler and I's theme song. That's I what, know, that's what I Ben know. says. <laughs> I know. I, I understand that, and I like the theme music in that. I mean, it's John Williams. How, how wrong could you ever go? It's what, In fact, the main theme is, you know, arguably one of the greatest themes of all time. It's not even arguably. It is one of the greatest of all times. So I think people could argue that it is number one on their list. Uh it's, it's a great, great movie, and it's awe-inspiring, and, and I really have very little to criticize, uh, except for the fact that some of the humor in it hasn't aged as well as I would like, and sometimes Otis just seems a little too campy for me. Ah. Can't get enough Otis. Where's the Otis love, man? Was this on your list, Bill? Oh, yeah, it was... Number one. He was number one. one. Sweaty man Jorgensen. This uh, this was most definitely my number one. Anybody who knows me, that's that comes as no surprise, I'm sure. Superman the movie is not only my favorite comic book movie of all time, it is my single favorite movie of all time. Uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of this movie. I always have been from, you know, when I was a kid, you know, seeing it in the theater, uh, I was just completely blown away. Or seeing uh, it on I, ABC when you, you would get the scenes that... Yeah, the extra you, scenes That you wouldn't see. Yeah. And to this day, my, my preferred watch of Superman the movie, you know, warts and all because it's never been committed to uh, DVD or Blu-ray. 
is the televised version, you know, the, the complete version. And it is called several different things. It's called the KCOP version. It's called the, you know, the international cut, whatever, whatever you want to call it. The one that has all the footage in it, you know, the extra footage, especially when uh, he tries to actually catch the missile. Um, some of that stuff was given back to us when they released the Superman the Movie uh, Special Edition on DVD a few years ago. But even that one um, isn't completely satisfying to me because they gave us back some scenes, like the like the tunnel sequence where Luther tries to freeze him and shoot him and set him mm-hmm. on fire. That's awesome, and I love that. And I've waited all my life for a really good cut, you know, a really good print of that. But there's still so much more than just that scene that they should have given back to us, and, and unfortunately they didn't. So I very rarely watch the actually commercially available prints of this. I'll, I'll go and I'll dig out my bootlegs and, and watch those just because I, I enjoy them more. Um, the scene where Superman actually tries to catch the missile, if you've never seen that, it's mystifying to me why it's cut from the film because it's one of the best effect sequences in the entire movie and they cut it out. It's just a damn shame. Um, I can now, talk. That's not the for... one where he catches it and he's got like it's blasted him in the face and he, he pushes it out in the space. No, you're not no, talk, no. talking about that scene. You're talking about no, this scene. is when this is when he first gets to, you know, he first, you know, so he flies out of Luther's lair, flies out to California to catch the first missile and he gets ahead of the missile and it's coming right at him and it gets almost to him and then it scoots around him and he just he's dumbstruck for a moment he just has this look like okay this is going to be harder than i thought it is or mm. thought it would be and then he takes off after it in the actual commercially available you know, every commercial version of this that's ever been you know from the theatrical release to the dvds and ever in the vhs tapes and everything we catch up in the next scene where he's actually chasing the missile and you know you see that part where the lady's hanging your laundry and it flies over her head and then there's the guys that are fixing the fence and it flies over their head that's where we pick up but there's a missing scene in between him leaving luther's lair and uh, I think the first one is the guys fixing the fence. I think I don't know. It's either them or the lady with the laundry. One of the two. And Superman's chase—he's behind the missile. But there was a scene in between there where he actually lands in front, or not, doesn't land. But he—the the reason I say it's one of the best effect shots is he does this weird, like sideways skid out of the sky, and 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 is right in the path of the missile, and with his arms reached out. If you've ever seen. Uh, if you keep up with it, whenever I change my picture on Facebook, I've used that same picture several times where he has his hands out. It's like he's almost mm. pleading or something. But what he's doing is he's putting his hands out to catch the missile. And then the missile just scoots around him. And uh, and I love that scene. I, I have no idea why they cut it out because it, it works so well. Um, great score. Uh, like I said, this is my favorite movie of all time. May very well be my favorite score of all time, although this and Empire Strikes Back keep flip-flopping back and forth. But I mean, you know, what great competition to have for, you know, for the best ever. Uh, I love both scores uh, tremendously. I think they're both fantastic. 
um, The Fortress of Solitude, which is about an 11 or 12 minute cut on, you know, in the movie and on the album and everything may be my single most favorite piece of music ever. Uh, it's just beautiful, and it brings it brings tears to my eyes every time I watch it. It's one of my favorite sequences of the film uh, when he actually goes to the Fortress of Solitude, which is strange because it's not an action-packed sequence. Oh, you mean when um, he first goes, when he throws, when he throws yeah, the green? Yeah, when he throws oh, yeah. the crystal. You know, from the moment, not so much the part where where the crystal, you know, where the fortress is being formed, because it's a lot of weird kind of. It's almost like Jerry Goldsmith in that sequence. It's a lot of weird, you know. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you the instruments, but you know what I mean? It, once it gets past that and the score settles down and it's very traditional and he goes into the fortress, meets his father for the first time and they go on their cosmic odyssey where he basically tells him his his past, you know, present and future right up to where we, we finally see the reveal of him in the costume. That entire stretch of sequence right there is... is I could watch that over and over and over again and not get bored. I, I love it. It's a perfect piece of film ma- making from the direction to the acting to particularly the music. The music just, I know it sounds corny, but the music moves me deeply, you know, to, to, to a point of tears. I just love that scene. And, and I think it's wonderfully written and, uh, and it is quintessentially Superman. That, not only this movie, but that scene in particular informed so much of my view of Superman, who he is and why he's here. And that's why, you know, I, I will take the label of rigid when it comes to Superman because I am rigid about the way I think of Superman because I think of him that way with that mission and uh and that's you know all because of this the the thing with superman the movie why for me it's number one and it it, i can't imagine a time when it won't be on the top of my list i don't care how old the movie gets i'll agree with paul that the second half of the movie isn't as strong as the first but for me it's not as strong only because it aged, you know, and it and and the older it gets, the the more it's you know it's very obvious it's it's the 70s, you know, it's a product of his time. Well, it can't help that all movies are going to do that. One day people are going to look back and laugh at the Avengers for how dated it is too. Mm. But you know, I the other things that that you said, you know, the the criticisms about, well, you know, specifically the flying sequence. I see, I hear so many people rag on that sequence. Maybe the voiceover is a little dumb, I'll admit. And and there are, if you ever get, I, I think it's the Rhino Records release of the score. There are actually on that several different versions of Can You Read My Mind? Now, the one they go with in the movie is just a little 70s, you know, disco-y, chank-a-chank type of thing with that voiceover. So it's, it is a little silly, but... If you could do a redub using one of the just straight up traditional score versions, which which exist on that album without Margot Kidder's voiceover, then that scene completely works. And, I, and it works for me regardless. I don't mind the voiceover thing because I, I, I like the beauty of the moment. I I really buy the romance between Superman and Lois in this 
in a way that I have in few other incarnations. Even in Superman 2, it doesn't feel quite as real and genuine to me as it does in that sequence in this movie. This is two people, you know, two soulmates finding each other as they fly about the city. And it's beautiful to me. I think the special effects are uh, are amazing, and I love that sequence. So I give that one a big old pass. I know a lot of other people like to rag on it. I, I don't. I still think it really works. I'll give you that Otis is a little silly and and there are grading parts and everything but where i will give otis a big old pass because if you if you ever watch the the version of the movie i'm recommending with all the extra stuff in it you're gonna get shitloads more otis and it and some of that does begin to wear because in the in the completely uncut version with all the extra footage put put back into it his walk from when we first meet him until the guy gets killed in the subway because Luther pushes him in front of the train, that sequence I'm pretty sure is quadrupled the amount of footage that's in there. It's ridiculous. So you get this ridiculous amount more uh, Otis. And it's full of cat-like reflexes? <laughs> well, I tell you where, where I give Otis a complete pass is there's one scene where his character is completely redeemed for me. And that's where... Superman pushes the door in and comes and stands in the doorway of Luthor's I think Luther's he's here, lair. Mr. Luthor. And no, not even that. He's definitely when, here, Mr. Luthor. When, when Luthor uh, just very casually says, Otis, ch- take the gentleman's cape. And he walks over to do it. Oh, yeah. And Superman and... gives him the look. He doesn't say anything. He just gives him a look like, I will crush you. And Otis just turns and goes, I, I don't think he wants me to, Mr. That is a great moment. He sell, he just completely sells that moment like, I may be a complete friggin' moron, but I'm not that stupid. And I, I love it. I think that's a great little moment between the, the those three actors and, and that that right there I'll give I'll give uh, Ned Beatty a pass on a on an otherwise pretty ridiculous character. But I see the point of Luthor to, or excuse me, of Otis too, which took me a long, long, long time. Uh, to understand, actually, I think it might be Superman Returns that made me actually understand Otis. So in Superman Returns, Luthor in that actually does what, as a kid, I thought he should do, which was surround himself with um, minions, you know, uh, people that were actually useful to him, you know, that were... I don't know, you know, intimidating or fellow criminals or capable of going out and killing somebody or whatever the case may be. And I hate the way it plays in that movie there. I don't like those people in the scene where they beat Superman. I is cringeworthy to me. I can't watch it. It's it's painful, but also it just makes me uncomfortable. So I understand now why Luthor in Superman the movie, instead of surrounding himself with, with, um, damn it, I'm trying to think of the, the term, you know, it's a, like a gang. He's actually surrounding himself, as he says, with total nincompoops because he's an egomaniac. And even though he knows he's the smartest one in the room, he still has to prove his superiority by not only being smarter than everybody else, but then the people he surrounds himself with are idiots too. And 
I can kind of see that because egomaniacs tend to kind of be that way, you know, especially really smart ones. It's almost like, you know, the, the like really just, hot... You know, that's where I should stick the wise guy comment in, but just, you know, everybody who's <laughs> listening, just figure right there what I would say. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's like, you know, you've you've probably seen this yourself. It's, it's like the really hot girls when they're young that always have the fat girlfriend, you know, the fat friend, you know, the fat girlfriend <laughs> that they, they pal around. You know, have you ever noticed women do this? Yeah, yeah. To this day, they do that. And it's and it's cruel, but they all do it. And I, I've seen this same type of behavior with very narcissistic people that, that are extremely intelligent, often will pair themselves off with, with stupid friends. And hey, wait so a I, minute. <laughs> So I think Bill, Bill just figured out my joke there. <laughs> so I think that to a certain degree, I think that might be what's going on with, uh, with Otis, uh, in that whole, you know, in the, in the movie in this. And I'm kind of sad when he's just kind of written right out of Superman too. I mean, we get the, the little opener, which I'll admit by the time of Superman two, I'm kind of done with Otis but at the same rate, I feel bad for him that he's just kind of like, okay, Otis is not just, he's just not going to be in this anymore. And then he's, you know, that's it. We never see him again. Although he does um, have that one good scene where he puts the, uh, it's Superman 2, where he does the horns above Luther's head in the shadow. Right. <laughs> but, uh, no, just, I, just you know, anybody listening, though, I'm going I'm to interrupt you just for a moment, Scott, and then you can go on as much as you want sure anybody listening who really wants to hear a more detailed version of boy scott loves this movie uh he's already put his uh he's already put dibs on this for is it yours so we will be having a much more lengthy conversation about it somewhere down the road <laughs> that is true and uh you know, thank you for reminding me because I, I like i said i could go on and on all night about this so i, I should probably save some of that for is it jaws but and, and you know what? I'm going to jump out on a limb here and say Scott says it's Jaws. <laughs> so I mean, if, if that's the only reason you're listening, you don't have to. Well, you know, I mean, if if the criteria for is it Jaws, I mean, I, I think everybody's kind of bringing their own personal criteria to to that question. For me, you know, is it Jaws basically comes down to the the thing that that. I think of when I think of Jaws is the quotability factor of Jaws. Look how friggin' quotable the movie is. From top to bottom, you know, there's so much dialogue in that movie that is eminently quotable that we use in our daily lives that have become part of the pop culture. So does Superman the movie. I mean, there's so much of that movie that is eminently quotable that has become part of our pop culture. So on that level, yeah, you know, it's got my vote. So, um, but you know, back to things that just work about the movie. I mean, you know, Christopher Reeve is a given, so I'm not going to go off on a, about that other than to say, he's still the gold standard. You know, he's still the one that everybody consciously or subconsciously compares these other actors taking on these roles to most especially Captain America and you know Chris uh, Evans him, himself has admitted that yeah you know he, he looked to that that you know that was what he you know the level he was going for he achieved it I'm not sure anyone else to this day has truly achieved that other than Chris Evans but Chris Evans most definitely um, he, he did it he made himself that role 
through the same, you know, exhibiting the same qualities that Christopher Reeve did when when he played Superman. Um, and then lastly, I just wanted to touch on the effects. Despite the fact that you know this film is you know is now pushing 40 years old, I continue to be amazed by the effects. And I think the reason the movie holds up all these years later, despite the great technological leaps that we've had in movies that can be you know slicker, faster, cleaner, all these other things with amazing effects that they can do. The reason this one still can hold its own against all of those special effects giants is the, the labor that went into the, the physical effect and, and trying to make you legitimately believe the movie. You know, not just the flying. You know, that was the big tag of the movie. You know, you'll believe a man can fly. Well, yeah, I did. I bought it. But it's so much else that that goes into this. And sometimes it's little tricks of the eye, but also tricks of the mind that sometimes you don't even realize you've been played. It just works so naturally. And, And the one I'll always go back to is when Superman pulls... Lois's destroyed vehicle out of the crevice in the earth and she's dead and he pulls it out he settles it and then he just casually walks over and just rips the door off the hinges and flings it behind him that's done so effectively and so quickly that you don't have time to register that that was a special effect it's you just you just complete by that point you completely buy superman and the fact that this human being just pulled a door's you know, a door of a car off its hinges and flung it. And it's all sleight of hand. You know, it's that scene had to be set up and it had to be executed in a certain way to make it work. And it's and it's done in such an effective way that it completely works. Today, they'd probably CGI that shit. But back then, it had to be a physical effect. And that's why it holds up. And it's well, the movie is nothing but string after string after string of those types of things where they cleverly thought out, how are we going to make this completely seamless and believable? Um, they did the same type of thing when, uh, when Superman flies off of Lois's balcony only to reappear as Clark Kent a moment later, there's no cut in that scene. Yeah. I, it was listening to your, to your discussion about that movie years ago that, just recently when when Ben and I watched it I, when I got to that scene I'm like okay did you see I I was like okay watch how the scene is shot and you tell me how they did this and they're like oh they did that I'm, nope oh they did this nope like that's one continuous shot there's no edit how did he fly off as Superman and then appear at the door as Clark Kent there's no trickery there's there's no special cut or edit done and um, because it was you had explained that whole shot about how when they turn and he's actually honest, she's looking at a screen of yep. a pre-filmed, it's, you know, backlit. Yep. And then she walks away and you can kind of tell when she cuts because she cuts through the bushes on the terrace that mm-hmm. that would be where the edge of the screen was. And then she walks to the door and opens the door and there's Clark Kent. And it's... See- and, 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 Today, it, and, and you don't even notice it. That would be like a, yeah, that would be a big CGI special effect trickery. Yeah. Today, anybody watching the movie that doesn't have the perspective, you know, of having seen this 
way back when, when, when this technology, you know, the, the technology we're using to make movies today didn't, you know, wasn't even a gleam in anybody's eye, you know, so, so in other words, you know, young people watching this movie might not even be phased by that. Never even stop to consider for a moment, gee, how did that happen? They just assume special effects, you know, that, that it was a, you know, they stopped filming and, and CGI him in or whatever the case may be. But back then that didn't exist. So how did they do it? And it was those types of things. So my, my point is, it's having to actually come up with a physical way to do those things, I think is why, you know, this movie will continue to to be, you know, top of the heap for years to come. Because this, this just for me is my personal gold standard. There's movies that came, you know, that come damn close. Winter Soldier is one of them. Uh, you know, Guardians is one of them. Hell, for, uh, First Class is one of them. But there's something about this one. There's something about Superman. And I think a lot of it has to do with that spectacle that, uh, that Paul talked about. You know, that it starts as a science fiction story of the death of a world and then goes to middle America and then, you know, the big city and... I mean, that gives it a scope so far beyond just a comic book movie, ta- you know, doing a story about a, a, a hero fighting a villain. And it, it reaches a whole different level of of cinema, you know, and it, it becomes an actual motion picture right up there with with Gone with the Wind or Wizard of Oz or something. And it, and it achieves a completely different level that off the top of my head, I, I just can't think of another comics character that I think is really capable of that. Maybe Captain America. And maybe that's why at the end of the day, I, I love first Avenger, but I still feel like could have been better or could have been done a little, because it, it could, he's a character that maybe could have that same level of a movie. If you know what I mean? But ultimately didn't at the end of the day first avenger still pretty much chalks in as a you know as a superhero movie you know granted it's you know it's a great picture it's a it's a war film and all that but still didn't quite hit that that level that superman the movie did because he's just he's he is a different you know superman as a character is a different he's quintessential americana and that's what i love about the movie is that they got the right guy you know with with getting richard donner that understood that the importance of the character and you gotta do this right you gotta do it sincere and and not just make it a friggin cartoon like they wanted to do and and that you know that's just one of a billion reasons i love the movie but uh but I, I've gone on long enough, and like I say, we want to do another episode on on that movie at some point. So I'll, I'll save something. But yeah, love it. I love Superman the movie, and I, and I just got to say, you know, this seeing this list when you sent it to me, and reading it over, you know, starting from one hundred and, and reading it up, and getting discouraged by some of the things that I saw on the list, but then eventually getting to number one and seeing that you know this was an absolute friggin' landslide that Superman, the movie was, was rated number one, restored my faith in my fellow, uh, uh, you know, my fellow man, let's say that, uh, you know, people still do love this movie and still regard it as, uh, you know, the, the, the pinnacle. Now, just, uh, just one thing to mention, because you talked about the deleted scenes. 
Mm-hmm. And the one thing that always intrigued me, but they never paid it off, unfortunately, because I would have liked to have seen something there, was the Kryptonian executioner that was sent. Uh huh. Um, I, I just I always found that to be fascinating when I saw it, and I would have loved yeah. to have seen like some sort of like battle with him and Jor-El or something. I've always wondered where were they going with that, because with with all of the you know the the complete version with all of the footage back into it paints a very strange picture of that character because we see him he's introduced he's dispatched to Jorel's uh residence and then dies en route as the planet's being destroyed like everybody else and so ultimately i i can see why they cut him out but I'm wondering why did they even bother to do that in the first place? Where was that going? You know what I mean? I think they maybe that they were trying to show to create some some tension, not just in the fact that the planet was breaking up, but that 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 what Jarrell was doing was he was going against the Kryptonian, you know, that he was going against the council, that he was acting on his own. That, that's right. the only reason that, that I could think that they were just trying to show that he was acting against them. Yeah, that's about all I can come up with. I just would have loved to have seen some sort of payoff to that instead of just the threat of the executioner. Yeah, it's funny you say that because every time I watch the movie, I I think the exact same thing is I I wish we'd gotten a little more, you know, what... So say Jor-El had had been wrong or or the destruction was, you know, happens a week later. So how does the scene play out? You know, what, what is this guy's, uh, you know, powers for lack of a better term? You know, what, you know, what is the little box at his hip do for one thing? You know, does it, does it create force fields or anything like that? you know, how does he apprehend people and, you know, just more about him. I, I just, I'm, I'm very curious about that particular character because the only other time that we ever see him is at the very beginning of Superman 2 and the flashbacks, you know, the, the pre-credits flashback sequence where Nan just walks up and snaps the guy's neck like mm-hmm. he's a wuss. So, you know, we, we still don't get anything. We know that he's some sort of Kryptonian constable and that's about it. And yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more with that too. I, I'm fascinated by the entire uh, Krypton of you know, Superman, the movie and Superman two. uh, you know, how does it work, you know, with, with their whole crystal world and all of that, you know, how, what, what is the society like and what do they eat? And, you know, how are they maintaining a, uh, an atmosphere if their entire planet's a big, you know, crystal snowflake looking thing and, you know, all of that. And we never really get there because the only other, you know, the only real in-depth, you know, in air quotes, look, we ever get is Supergirl, which doesn't feel like the same planet. You know, it doesn't feel like it's of Krypton, even though, you know, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be, you know, a, 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 a you know, a widget of Krypton that flew out into space and was saved. But it it has a completely different, you know, it's like they're living in a mall or something instead of <laughs> living on the Krypton that we see in, in Superman, the movie. So it's very strange. I would, I would, I would have gone for an entire, they could have gone for a two hour movie just to the Krypton and end it with him coming out of the fortress of solitude. Yeah. Uh, for me, 
but I know they had yeah. to do something, you know, they had to have an adventure with him as Superman. So the second part was necessitated, but the first part enthralls me so much more than the second part that I would I would have gone for an entire movie of the uh, you know, the first part. They could they could have extended that, and that would have been fine. I've always liked the fact that you know the the Krypton that we got in Superman the movie was the way it was. That it is very alien. That it is very different. Um, you know, over the years, I, I have heard it greatly criticized. You know, it's nothing like it was in the comics and everything. And usually that's me. Usually I'm that guy. But, you know, going the route that they, that they went, I think just really emphasizes the point that it is alien. You know, that it is a completely different world, a completely different culture. It's completely removed from us. And so it makes the, the transitions in the movie that much more stark, that you're going from this very stark, crystalline world and alien society to middle America, you know, and, and this nice Christian couple. And then, you know, again, you know, the big city. So, you know, the sets are grand in, in, in scope and, and in feel. And I, and I like that. I, I, I think... Donner was very, uh, very genius in the, in the construction because it really is at the end of the day, it's almost like three different films, you know, that that kind of all come together to make one huge movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I like that. I think that's that's really good because you know, as you say, you know, the 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 destruction of Krypton itself is a mini movie. I mean, it it tells a, a complete story. You know, the 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 guy you know, warns his society, they don't believe him, and they put, pay a terrible cost for it. That right there, that entire sequence, however long that is, uh, is a film that's bridged by, oh, you know, there's a sole survivor. And then you go to the next sequence, and then, you know, from there to, to the end. And so, yeah, I, I like that. I, I think that that works very well. I think it was a very deliberate, um, you know, transitional piece between those different very very diverse elements and it, and it just works yep i agree and <laughs> uh you know that's that's the end of our epic movie list and once again i'd like to thank everybody who contributed to it because you hopefully we entertained you with us talking about the movies but i think you entertained us with giving us the topics to talk about absolutely Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it's appreciated, hopefully, from both sides. I know it's appreciated from us. Uh, and we've gotten some, you know, some very nice compliments about the shows that we've been doing. So I think it's mutual, which is nice. Uh, this has been, you know, yet another labor of love that we went through. And uh, until we come up with whatever the next project we, we're going to do. But I guess uh, next week we'll get back to just kind of going through some funny books. What? We got to work? Oh, Bill, man. start synopsizing. <laughs> uh, thanks, guys, for, for indulging oh. me, because this was my, uh, my, my, my pet project. And uh, I wasn't sure when I first took the list if I was going to do it on Is It Yours, if I was going to do it on Bins, if I was going to do it alone. Uh, I think I made the right choice of doing it on Bins. Stop and doing, doing it, it alone. You, so... You'll go blind. <laughs> get, get pear on my palms. Uh but I, I, I think I made the right choice in doing it on bins and doing it with you, too, because I've enjoyed the heck out of it. 
Oh, you're so sweet. We like you too. Yeah. Cause, cause we smart. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at backtothebins at gmail.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Each and every month, the Two True Freaks Network produces dozens of new and exciting episodes which regularly reach tens of thousands of loyal listeners worldwide. Sponsorship and or advertising opportunities are available. Inquiries may be made via email to twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks. And we'll see you next week. And now, the Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis Show. And the secret is entertainment. Entertainment? Yeah. Well, yeah, what Dean means, you see, there's a lot of elements that you have to go through to get in the movie, but entertainment is very important. I think we'll tell them what we mean, huh? Yeah. The clown with his pants falling down or the dance. That's a dream of romance or the scene where the villain is mean. That's entertainment. The dame. Who is known as the flame of the king of an underworld ring? He's the ape who won't let her escape. That's entertainment. It might be a fight like you see on the screen. A train getting slain for the love of a queen. Some great career you see. Where it all Santa Prince meet, and everyone ends in misfeet. The gag may be waving the flag that began. With a mystical hand, hip hooray! Hey, 
time that's a joy at a loon with a face like a goon if they tell that the public will yell that entertainment while i recall i was nothing at all i must confess i was probably less we were fair but now since we're a Come what comes, Jerry boy, we will be As anybody can see Our friendship just thrills us At times it almost kills us Or the team Yeah, what about the team? That began as a dream Thanks to you Is a dream that came true It's not smart But it's straight from the heart Corn that's sincere is entertainment.